Welcome to the Rennie Podcast. This is a podcast about everything real estate for the real estate interested. My name is Peter Edmonds and I'm a member of the team here at Rennie. We're a real estate company of about 300 people advising buyers and sellers from first-time condo purchasers to large-scale developers to make smart and informed real estate decisions. We created this podcast as a really concise and consumable way to share our passion for homes, housing, community, and cities. We hope this will spark the same curiosity in you that we have for everything real estate. And all of the documents and links mentioned in this podcast are available at rennie.com. In today's episode of the Rennie podcast, we're sitting down with members from our intelligence team who have sifted through the latest batch of residential real estate data for the Vancouver region to discuss the key insights. Ryan Berlin, senior economist, Rennie Intelligence, how are you doing? I'm good, Peter, how are you? I'm very well, very well, thank you. And Bowen B. and Posse, business data analyst with Rennie Intelligence, how are you doing? Not too bad, great day here in Vancouver. It sure is, yeah, this is uh, this is the extended summer that that uh, that we all sort of covet so much and uh, what a year to deserve, <laughs> <laughs> a nice September. Gentlemen, we have had quite the summer from a real estate perspective. We're going to talk all about that today. I think now that everyone's had a chance to sort of digest the August numbers, um, y- you all have uh, come up with uh, three key insights that uh, that we're going to review today. And basically, this is the what you need to know from August that's uh, coming from our intelligence team. The first insight being that uh, August sales topped 5,000, which is the most August sales since 2009. Um, the next insight was that ground oriented homes are seeing really strong demand. And the third insight is that supply and demand conditions are favoring sellers in a pretty big way right now. And then Bowen's going to share with us some micro market insights and just some little trends in the data that he's noticing. Um, he's a our guy who we count on to sort of dig down and take a, take a look at some of those nuggets. And you have a little bit of a comment on rental as well, which is uh, something we do quite a bit of here Definitely. at, at Rennie too. So Great. This is uh, this is exciting. So, uh, Ryan, um, uh, why don't you t- talk to us about uh, August sales topping five thousand? Yeah, second consecutive month of more than five thousand sales. So we had more than ten thousand sales in in July and August combined. <clears throat> and as you said, Peter, um, that's the highest count the five thousand sales that we've seen in any August since two thousand and nine. And I think what it shows that there is um, a a, a, a prevailing sense of confidence in the market, generally speaking. But what's really driving that number, I think, is um, that we saw demand suppressed in April and May. So sales that would have taken place back in the spring and not in August in a typical year are now a little bit delayed. And now we're seeing that demand materialize. But nevertheless, it's a good sign. Ryan, this this active August really follows a, a, a very active July. Is that a safe uh, safe assumption? I mean, we've had a very busy summer from a real se- resale perspective. We have had a busy summer. Um, what's interesting, if you go back, we had a very slow 18 months up until the middle of 2019. It was really in July of last year that we started to see sales activity increase on a year-over-year basis. And we actually had some good momentum going into the first three months of 2020. Of course, then the pandemic hit. And so a, a lot of that demand that would have would have materialized at that time, and I think we would have continued the momentum is now coming out in August. By our calculations, through the first seven months of the year, the region as a whole had accumulated about 11,000 homes worth of pent-up demand. So these are sales that didn't happen in a normal market 
probably would have, um, and that we expect to still occur, but with a bit of a lag. So I think we're seeing the leading edge of that now in August, and we expect more of that to come out through the fall and then into next year. Got it. So, you know, typically the real estate market is slow through July and August with summer vacation, um, people taking a break, not a lot of change in people's lives and really just sort of not being around. Is that, is that an accurate depiction? For sure. When you look at the data, you look at the seasonal patterns year after year after year, it's clear that in, you know, what we would consider normal conditions for our market, that people spend more time at the beach than in open houses in an August. Even in September, people are focused on getting their kids back to school. And a lot of people are, you know, focused at work on how do we get through the rest of this year. And so there isn't as much buying and selling activity. We see a little bit of a peak in October and then it peters out over the rest of the year into the holidays. So it'll be interesting to see. We've already bucked that seasonal trend over the past two months. So it will be interesting to see how the next four months of the year play out. And if we follow the typical seasonal pattern or if that pent up demand actually just generates a totally new trajectory for our market. You know, in terms of, uh, of demand, it's, it's, it's really, it brings us to insight number two is that that demand is really focused on ground oriented homes. I mean, condos haven't been as active, uh, in, in this market, as I understand, uh, over the summer as uh, ground oriented townhomes, single family homes and such. It's true. I mean, on its own. So condo sales through the first eight months of the year. So January through August in this region are up 3% versus the same period last year. So on their own, there is more activity within the condo market, but in comparison, we've seen an increase in sales for detached homes of 19% and for townhomes of 16% over the first eight months of the year versus the same period last year. So relatively speaking, the ground oriented types of homes detached and townhomes are attracting a lot of demand. You know, again, some of that may just be tied to pent up demand, but then you have to ask yourself, why is there a shift in the composition of the housing that is that is selling and that is being purchased? And you wonder at the margin if people are... What do you mean by at the margin? At the margin? It's just, it's not the whole market. It's just like a... It's on the, the edge. edge. This stuff is marginal. This isn't like a, a gargantuan shift, right? It's uh-huh. more like... <clears throat> Like 80, 80 to 90% of the buying pattern is exactly the same as it was last year, but then it's just that little increment where that is tilted towards townhomes and detached Well, is that true? I mean, are we seeing 80 to 90% of the activity that we were seeing last year in, in that uh, particular um, um, product type? We are, but we are seeing this surge in the demand for... I would say larger homes. Mm-hmm. Um, so larger homes being um, more rooms, more bedrooms, more non-bedrooms, <laughs> um, more uh, space outside. Um, so these are, this is like a COVID checklist, basically. Yeah, I'm a little hesitant to say that this is totally COVID-driven, but it does appear that um, some of these purchases are perhaps in response to people looking at the realities of COVID over the past six months, or even what the potential reality might be going forward of wanting to um, have a bit more space for one's family, for one's bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the reality that maybe, you know, all of us will be spending a little bit more time working from home, you know, in the months and the years ahead. And so people are now thinking as they look at their next home purchase, is there enough room for me to have an office? 
Um, furthermore, do we have enough space for storage? Do we have a big enough yard for the kids to play in? Um, so I think all these considerations come into play. And I think this is why through, through the spring and into the summer, we did see the demand for housing in some of our suburban markets like Squamish, like Surrey, um, out into Langley, um, Maple Ridge. We saw demand relatively strong in those markets as well, um, where there's less, less density. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, further to that too, I feel like uh, the real estate market in general has been kind of dominating headlines more so than usual and dominating kind of dinner conversations more so than usual, which is kind of amounted, um, at least I've felt with, with my you know personal group, a little bit of like pressure almost to to get into the market because it's so... Present? Yeah, yeah. It's just like so present all the yeah. time. Omnipresent, to, then we'll go with that. It seems, yeah, people are talking about the market and it's dominating headlines more so than it was uh, pre-pandemic. I want to focus a little bit on, you know, is this a COVID-driven market? I think, you know, we realize that, yeah, there's people around. One of the things that we we talked about here at Rennie is that during this time, people are consuming more of their homes than they ever have. Um, just in terms of the fact that you're thinking more about all the space you use and how much space you have and how you use it. But there's a time of life thing happening here too. I mean, it's not like people become, um, you know, flush with cash and are forced to make a decision. I mean, there's still people having babies and um, you, you talked a bit about pent up demand. Is, is, is this all COVID driven, this, this, this rush to ground oriented housing or is it something else? I think I'd maybe frame it as COVID influenced. Um, I think the, the transactions that we are seeing are by um, people, by households, who were already in the market, so to speak. They might have been existing homeowners, or if not homeowners, um, had a bit of a nest egg saved up or uh, were leaning on their boomer parents for a little bit of help. And what they've done is they've maybe looked a little bit longer term at what their housing needs might be and how they might evolve over time and pulled their decision forward and maybe even skipped a home type instead of moving from the parent, the parental home into a condo, perhaps the move is into a townhome or, you know, looking ahead, a newly married couple with plans to have kids, um, maybe would otherwise wait a couple of years to, um, to upgrade from or upsize from a condo to a townhome. But they look at the reality of working from home and what the, the, the social distancing, um, reality might be for all of us in you know, over the coming years, and they decided, well, hey, let's see if we can make this move now rather than later. So a big question I have of the data, and I don't have the answer, is, is this shift a, a, a paradigm shift? Is it a structural shift? Or are we going to see a reversion to the mean, so to speak, in terms of the mix of homes that sells? And I would, I would tend towards the latter um, as, as my guess for how the market evolves going forward. Let's move on to our third insight, uh, which is uh, that supply and demand conditions are favoring sellers. So it's a really interesting time right now in our market because we are technically in an economic recession. <clears throat> and typically a recession would be accompanied within the housing market by um, lower than average demand for housing. So fewer sales and an increase in supply or inventory uh, active listings. And that would tend to moderate prices. So typically in a recession, what we see in housing is that there's a lot more selection for 
buyers. There aren't as many buyers in relative terms as there would be under normal conditions. So prices fall a bit. This has been a totally different experience. What we've seen actually is demand surge, particularly in the last three months. Inventory is still, by historical standards, quite constrained. And what we've seen since the beginning of the pandemic is average prices in the Vancouver region increasing by 8% overall, as high as 9% for townhomes, but increases for condos of 4%, detached homes of 2%. So I think a lot of that goes back to the nature of the the downturn. We've been calling it the Great Suppression because we all sort of collectively, willfully shut down our economy. And as part of that, the tacit agreement with the various levels of government was that they would support households and support businesses through this. And I think even with the financial institutions across Canada allowing for a six-month mortgage uh, deferral, so deferring payments on your mortgage for six months, has helped maintain some stability within the market and, and sort of give everybody, whether you're on the buying side or the selling side, some confidence. Is this sort of a, uh, a false sense of stability? You know what I think? The last four months of this year, we're two-thirds of the way through this year, the uh, six-month mortgage deferral uh, window is just beginning to close for the people that initially uh, were granted a reprieve on their payments back in March. So I think we haven't fully absorbed by any stretch of the imagination the impact of uh, the resumption of mortgage payments and whether or not households can actually make those payments. My guess is the majority of households will be able to. We know that between quarter two and quarter three, the number of uh, households on a deferral plan uh, across Canada fell by 20%, which is kind of what you want to see. By the time this window fully closes six months from now, um, we hope that everybody is paying their mortgage once again and nobody's on a deferral plan. But I expect that we'll see a little bit of an uptake in arrears over the next four to six months. Indeed. Yeah, and it's uh, something we're definitely keeping our eye on is uh, inventory and new listings uh, in the Vancouver region. We're tracking it daily um, just to keep an eye on if inventory is going to rise given the, the current economic conditions. And and so what you've seen with the rise of inventory, Bowen, is um, it has been rising, right? Um, and But uh, demand has been meeting that supply. Is that correct? I think on a month to month basis, inventory is creeping up, but on a year over year basis, like compared to last year at this time, it's still, we still have weight like 20% less, fewer listings. But demand is also eating up most of that. Or is it, it is, it is net growing, right? So what we're seeing currently is, or let's say over the past two to three months, we've seen a slow creep of inventory, a, a, a consistent day to day, week to week, month to month increase in total listings in our market. But we're talking about a couple months when we saw sales really surge. So that has maintained the imbalance in the market and and maintained these so-called sellers' um, conditions. Um, But on a year-over-year basis, despite this increase in inventory, we're still approximately, when we look at all product types, we're approximately 20% lower in terms of total listings right now than where we were a year ago. So we still have this this issue of, you know, in a historical sense, constrained supply. And right now we're combining that with really robust demand, demand that we haven't seen in, you know, three years. Huh. Yeah, so total inventory at the beginning of the year uh, was close to 14,000, and it's slowly kind of creeped up by 1,000 each month. But again, as Ryan was alluding to, um, the August uh, inventory levels are still 12% uh, below 2019. So although it's kind of creeped up throughout the year here, 
we're still seeing constrained inventory when compared to uh, previous years. It's an interesting situation, as you say, because uh, during recessions, this doesn't usually happen like this. No. And the other thing that's unique, perhaps, about our market right now and the dynamics that we're seeing is that implicitly, um, most of the purchases or a greater proportion of the purchases that we've seen over the past six months have been by people that are already living here, working here, so-called end users. Because we know that migration flows between provinces have come down dramatically. The inflow of people from elsewhere in Canada to BC has dropped over the past six months. Immigration nationally over the first six months of this year totaled 100,000 um, when we would have expected under normal conditions about double that. This isn't all meant to say, and therefore, if you think about buying, go buy now. But <clears throat> obviously, if you sat on the sidelines six months ago, hoping or thinking at least that um, prices might uh, abate a little bit, that there might be a lot of selection for you. Um, that really hasn't materialized. And I think what's interesting about that is that um, those people who said, wait six months, I think a lot of these people buying now are the ones who said that um, for the last 18. Yeah, I mean, well, at some point, yeah, you gotta, you gotta jump. That's right. And if you see all this activity without any kind of influence, from outside the province. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You just, know. I hate when people say just wait, but just wait. In addition to these master insights, Bowen, you take a deep dive into some of the, some of the micro insights and, uh, and I know we, we, we talked a little bit before this, we, of course we prepare for these, these, these things, but one of the comments was that, you know, demand is pretty uniform across all of the sub markets. Is that like in terms of product type and, and, and sort of the, 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 the month over month comparative numbers? Yeah. I mean, we, we touched on, uh, the ground oriented demand versus condo, but we also made a note to say that condo demand is still up versus, you know, 2019. Um, when we do look at the, uh, the, Greater Vancouver and Fraser Valley board area areas. Um, there seems to be kind of a uniform uh, pattern there where everything seems to be up in terms of homes sold uh, by double digits. There are some more suburban markets uh, kind of south of the Fraser with Surrey, uh, Abbotsford, Langley, and then on the uh, other side of the river um, in Mission and, and Maple Ridge, where we're seeing a little bit larger year-over-year um, -year increases in terms of homes sold. And this is talking about you know, all, all homes sold, not, not specific to product type. So, um, that's something we, we've noticed again, I think, uh, previously we were talking about a suburban surge, but a little bit of one, uh, there with the, with the August data. Got it. So Bowen, what are some of the, the other, uh, micro market insights that you're noticing? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll just touch briefly on rental, uh, definitely a hot topic right now. And, and we, uh, do quite a lot of work, um, from advisory to marketing to leasing up. So it's always top of mind for, for the intelligence team here. Um, and in looking at the, uh, long-term listings within Metro Vancouver, um, we saw kind of a steady increase in terms of the number of listings hitting the market beginning around March. Um, so between March and April kind of up around 2% again, um, between April and May up, uh, 17%. And, uh, we keep seeing that increase. Uh, it's kind of flattened out a little bit here uh, in August. Um, but if we compare, you know, August, uh, or June, July or August, uh, listings to the previous year, um, up by kind of double digits, you know, there's been lots of headlines about, uh, you know, young adults moving home. Um, and we're definitely seeing, you know, an influx of, of long-term uh, listings and also, um, 
kind of more uh, incentives. So, you know, one month free uh, or, you know, sign the lease, we can give you maybe a hundred bucks off this month, you know, that kind of stuff uh, just to entice uh, renters right now. Got it. So, uh, you know, at, at the outset of COVID, we talk about data, we talk about insights, and then we also talk about anecdata. And, and one of those pieces of anecdata was, was yeah, people going home. Um, whether you were an international student, uh, whether you were, um, you know, someone who, uh, a domestic student as well, um, that's all having an effect on rental, would you say? So, yeah, I mean, this is maybe like a step back to say, like, it really is a tale of two market segments when you look at how um, rental versus the ownership market has responded to the pandemic. And it all comes back to the nature of the job losses, which have largely been um, younger part-time workers, many on hourly wages, generally lower income earners who maybe were never, weren't buyers now in, in, in a normal market, but were renters. And so that's why we're seeing less, potentially less of an impact on the for sale side of the market and more of an impact on the rental side. And then I think your student comment, we're now September, universities are open again, but there's a lot of distance learning. To the extent that students, yes, they're not back on campus, are they even in the city? Brian Bowen, it's been a, it's been a very active summer from a from a home sales perspective, particularly ground ground oriented. Um, it's a it's a definitely um, supply and demand conditions favoring sellers right now. What, where do you think things are going for the fall? I mean, I know we try not to put our crystal ball in; we sort of take a look at things. But um, where where are you see, seeing things going at this point? They say that economic forecasting was invented to make astrology look respectable. So I don't want to be too specific in any predictions I make here. The one thing we have certainty about is uh, in the realm of borrowing costs, we know that interest rates are going to be low. Certainly, without speculating two, three, four years out, we know that through the balance of 2020, interest rates will be essentially where they are now. So from that perspective, um, there's a great opportunity for buyers. I think some, some buyers who were already prepared to purchase earlier this year but didn't because of the uncertainty of the economy, maybe their own their own particular job situation, um, they'll there will be opportunities for them over the balance of the year. I think that we will see an elevated level of sales um, than we saw last year or in 2018 through the balance of 2020. Um, a second wave of COVID, notwithstanding. Um, but I also, like I said, I think that we are going to see inventory continue to come up. I, see, I think we'll see some distressed listings, which means that um, there'll be less upward price pressure um, in the next four months than we saw in the past six. Yeah. So, I mean, certainly there's a pent-up demand for recovery. I think I think yeah. we could we could probably say that and and understanding this as a, as a somewhat transient condition being the pandemic, but it it will have long term uh, implications and 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 effects on our market and so we'll be looking out for 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 what those are in the months to come. 
I think that concludes our, our chat for today. Uh, just a couple things though. Um, if you want to dig, do some of that um, deeper diving that, that Bowen does, feel free to visit uh, Rennie.com and then explore the neighborhoods uh, section. And you can see um, the, uh, the, the, the sales trajectory in, in specific neighborhoods that you're interested in or not interested in, interested in buying, interested in looking, interested in knowing. And Ryan, you're working on the Rennie landscape, which comes out next month, looks at all the macroeconomic and policy um, moves that, that, that have been made uh, since COVID. That that's bound to be pretty interesting for for everybody, and and uh, you must be having fun sort of looking into those swings downward. <laughs> it's an interesting so. undertaking looking at where we were before COVID and 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 where we've come to six months in. Yeah, I mean, I watched uh, uh, our entire intelligence team freak out a little bit because the graphs were breaking. Uh, <laughs> That's all we have for the September 2020 Rennie Intelligence Podcast. You can find a number of documents at rennie.com in the intelligence section, including the Rennie Advance, which comes out at the beginning of the month and provides a quick snapshot of the of the statistics along with the Rennie Review, which is really a much deeper dive consistent with our chat today. Bowen, thank you very much. No problem, Peter. Thanks for having me. Ryan, thank you so much. Thanks, Peter. The Rennie Podcast is a Rennie production. It's recorded on the unceded territories of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. I'm Peter Edmonds. Thanks for listening. <laughs>